Good morning. I'm Allison Michaels with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 14th. James is out, but I'll be here with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that you need to know today. Number one. As millions go back to school during the pandemic, the ability of campus health services to safeguard and care for students will be tested like never before. And many colleges appear unprepared for that challenge. My colleagues Jen Abelson, Nicole Dunka, Merrill Cornfield, and Andrew Batran assess the landscape of student health services at roughly 1,700 four-year residential campuses. The Post interviewed more than 200 students, parents, and health officials, and examined thousands of pages of medical records, court documents, and reviews of student health centers. College students reported they commonly waited days or weeks for appointments and were routinely provided lackluster care. Dozens of students ended up hospitalized and some near death for mistakes they said were made at on-campus clinics. Many students, including low-income individuals on Medicaid, said they avoid seeking treatment altogether because the care is too costly. On college campuses nationwide, the healthcare facilities available to students vary widely, from multi-story buildings with comprehensive services to a single exam room run by one nurse who is not licensed to prescribe medications. Some students praise the care they've received, while others say there are major shortcomings. Student health centers are sort of akin to the Wild West of medical care. There are no national regulations, and most are not licensed by states. According to the Post's analysis, only about 220 campus medical clinics of the thousands nationwide are accredited by outside health organizations. In one case, Georgetown University stated on its website that its student health center was accredited, but removed the claim after being asked about it by reporters. More than 80% of colleges expect to resume in-person classes this fall or offer a hybrid of online and in-person instruction. Students are planning to descend on campuses in a matter of weeks, as many states are experiencing a surge of coronavirus cases, including an increasing number of young people who have tested positive. Health experts have described colleges as cruise ships on land, ideal places for novel coronavirus to spread quickly through shared dorm rooms, communal bathrooms, and dining halls. Pennsylvania State University announced this month it was conducting contact tracing after a 21-year-old student who visited the campus died of complications related to COVID-19. University leaders are publicly lobbying for federal protections from coronavirus-related lawsuits when they do reopen, arguing that costly litigation would take away from already scarce resources needed to support students. College health officials, meanwhile, are privately discussing insufficient stockpiles of personal protective equipment, inadequate access to coronavirus testing on campus, and a short supply of rooms to quarantine students. Health professionals at historically Black colleges and universities have said they're concerned about the risks to their students and faculty because of the disproportionate number of COVID-19 diagnoses and deaths among Black people. And... Complicating matters even more, because of the pandemic, returning students at many institutions will have a harder time obtaining in-person medical care. Officials plan to lock the doors of campus clinics, refuse drop-in visits, and shift many appointments to telemedicine. The goal is to prevent the virus from spreading inside healthcare facilities. Number two. 
The pandemic's toll on workers who have been furloughed or laid off is measured in numbers that splash across headlines. 1.4 million new weekly unemployment claims and 18 million people who already receive continuous unemployment insurance. Tens of thousands of workers at Levi's, Wells Fargo, and United Airlines learned this past week that they could be furloughed or laid off in the coming months, sending those workers to seek jobless benefits as well. The Post's Eli Rosenberg reports that four months into the worst recession since the Great Depression, tens of thousands of workers across the country have filed for jobless claims but have yet to receive payments. Many are now in dire financial straits. The issue has spilled back into public view in recent weeks as thousands of frustrated workers awaiting payments have camped out, sometimes overnight, in front of unemployment offices in states like Oklahoma, Alabama, and Kentucky. Experts say the ongoing delays are the result of a confluence of crises. A flood of new jobless applications, about 50 million, has overwhelmed state unemployment offices over the past four months. The agencies themselves are hampered by years of neglect. They rely on reduced staff and badly outdated technology after years of budget cuts, often at the behest of business groups and Republican legislatures. Issues with fraud and user confusion over the new rules and filing process have further bogged down the process overall. But some cases show what happens when workers simply run out of money and the social safety net malfunctions with defaulted payments and trips to food banks. In some desperate situations, workers become homeless. A spokeswoman for the Department of Labor said that the agency does not track the percentage of unemployment benefits that have been processed. The agency did not offer a comment on the issue of delays in processing benefits. But previously unreleased data compiled by Andrew Stetner, a senior fellow at the Century Foundation, illustrates the scope of all this. By the end of May, about 18.8 million out of 33 million claims, that's 57 percent, had been paid nationwide. That number has steadily improved from 47 percent of paid claims at the end of April and 14 percent at the end of March. Number three, President Trump has increasingly undermined the public health message of his own government with tweets, impromptu interviews, and unscripted remarks. In doing so, Trump has added a sense of confusion to what has been a disjointed and ineffective response to the novel coronavirus pandemic. My colleague Tolu Olurunipa reports that public health experts say Trump's efforts to deflect blame for the surging coronavirus have become yet another distraction, making it harder to slow the spread of COVID-19. On Monday, Trump retweeted a message from Chuck Woolery, a longtime game show host and conservative commentator. In the tweet, Woolery accused the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention of lying to the American public about the virus. Woolery's post that Trump retweeted to his 83 million followers said, quote, Everyone is lying. The CDC, media, Democrats, our doctors, not all, but most, that we are told to trust. I think it's all about the election and keeping the economy from coming back, which is about the election. I'm sick of it. Trump, in recent days, has also accused Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, of making mistakes. Trump has blasted CDC guidelines for opening schools as impractical, and he's repeatedly undercut public health officials' recommendations by questioning the efficacy of masks and social distancing. While Trump has played down the virus and dismissed the warnings of public health experts for months, his recent push has come amid a fresh surge in cases and concern over how to safely reopen schools in the coming weeks. Trump primarily has been focused on trying to revitalize the economy, which has been devastated by the pandemic. Trump sees economic revival as key to his re-election chances this fall. 
Trump's aides have amplified his statements, promoting a return to normalcy and undermining government health expertise in the middle of a pandemic. White House officials disseminated negative talking points about Fauci to reporters over the weekend after The Washington Post reported that Fauci had been sidelined by Trump in recent weeks. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany used a news briefing Monday to defend those criticisms of Fauci and reinforce the president's attack on the government's health experts. She accused what she called some rogue individuals at the CDC of misleading the public. She also defended Trump's tweet of Woolery by saying he was calling out scientists for engaging in politics. While McEnany did tell reporters on Monday that Trump has confidence in the CDC, she spent more time criticizing health experts than amplifying their message for the public. She repeatedly referred to the spike in positive coronavirus infections as embers, despite the fact that states across the country are setting records for new cases and deaths are beginning to rise as well. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 14th. Stay safe and thanks so much for listening.